really cool this morning having the uh, opportunity to walk some kids in and get them registered for children's church classes and uh, getting the stickers put on them and taking the sticker back to the parents it was the best part so that I don't have to gather them up after we're done here it's so enjoyable to see kids in the house of God and people volunteering um, we don't say it near enough how thankful we are for people serving in positions sometimes even the ones that are very unseen um, but it's still necessary to make all this happen where that God can be at work in the hearts of people because of the serving of others. This past week on Friday, several of you went down to serve the 9-11 dinner that we do annually and have been for how many years now, Leslie? I don't know, 11th year. So it's not easy, it's a lot of work, but it's worth every every bit of the effort uh, to those that serve us all year long in our community because uh, they don't receive the recognition that is due them so many times, but this is one time of year that we've been able to do that as a church, as a group, uh, just to make them know that the Bridge Church appreciates them and uh, something we ought to do. Amen. And sometimes the garbage collectors don't receive their due in praise, but let them miss a couple of weeks and see how you feel about them. You'll be grateful they're around, right? And thankful for them. Or those that serve us in government and all those other positions that have come out and eat, the road department and so many others. Every year they'll come. Some of them are in jobs that they can't leave their office, so they'll send somebody down, or we've even got people doing delivery uh, to them and taking the food plates to them. And we're coming up on a season here where Les and myself has been here at the bridge, formerly known as Bethesda, since 2010. And this was the season of the year when we came here uh, to just fill in for two weeks was what we was told <laughs> until they could find somebody to come down. And uh, apparently they never found anybody to come down because we're still here. And just what a blessing it's been for Leslie and myself just getting to be a part of the community. Um, and doing the things God's called us to do. We're grateful for such a church of servants. And if I could describe this church, that's what we are, is a church of servants. And I believe that's the church that Jesus intended when he came to this earth. And he, he said that he didn't came to be served, but to serve. And our... Humanity wants us 
to expect things of others, but not of ourselves. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Morning, Ansley. <laughs> You're blessed and highly favored. Amen. Alan, especially. <laughs> So this is the last week of this blessed series, and we're going to conclude today. A series that we've been working on for several weeks now. And in six verses, we've taken multiple weeks to get through six verses, but that's the way God wants us to do it. And that's his desire for us is to read his word, hear his word, listen to his word, feel his word and to act on his word so hopefully and prayerfully during this series we've come to understand that Psalms 1 written by King David is a psalm that depicted what he was dealing with in his life And King David was a person that had troubles, had trials, had afflictions, had sorrow, was in despair multiple points in his life. But he knew that God was with him. So he learned how to endure. Everybody say endure. And in the New Testament, it says, He that endures to the end shall be saved. Hang in there. Look at your neighbor and say, Hang in there. <laughs> God is with us. We've got enough. Amen. Storms will brew, troubles will come, but yet God is with us. And if we've got that understanding the way King David did understand it, and sometimes we don't sense it. Sometimes we don't feel him. And I'm sure King David, when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel and told he would be the next king of Israel while Saul was yet alive, David went and served King Saul. He served the king in a way that wasn't customary to people who had been appointed and anointed as king. It would have been easy for him to rise up and say, it's my turn, get out of the way, Saul. But that wasn't how King David did it. And King David one time come to this place where that Saul was chasing him down and trying to kill David because he knew that David was anointed to be the next king and Saul didn't like it very much because he was jealous and envious because he had done so much evil that God had left Saul. But yet he was king. How would you like to be king of Israel and God not be with you? It's bad enough with God with you. But yet here he was 
And the farther in demise that he got, he looked to kill the anointed successor. I don't know if he was mad because Jonathan didn't get it. I don't know the full story. We can only take what Scripture teaches us. But for some reason, God chose David. And we need to allow God to do what he wants to do, even though we don't like it. Amen? So Saul starts chasing David down, and one time they get in a, running through the valleys and the mountains and the hills of Israel and the nation of Israel. And as they're doing this, there comes a point in time where that David sees the king. And he could literally take his life because the king is asleep. But he doesn't do it. This is integrity. Amen? When you have the opportunity to do what you want, when you know that it's not God's will, and you got the willpower to say, I'm going to hang in there God's way, even though I've got an opportunity here to do it my way. So what David does, he goes down and he cuts off a piece of the garment of the king and he stands up on the side of the hill after he gets away from him and says, Look, O king, I could have taken your life today, but I didn't because God won't let me. We need integrity as the saints of God. Not perfection. Integrity to do the right thing, even when it means to wait, to hold on, to wait on God. So as David writes this psalm, I want us to think about this perspective that King David is writing this. And here we are thousands of years later reading it, trying to understand it, trying to figure out how to apply it. But the author was speaking to the children of Israel and telling them there's two choices. You can do what's right or you can do what's wrong. And the more we simplify it, this life that we live, the better off we are. Amen? King David, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for Psalms 1. We thank you for the author that wrote these words down, that we can partake 
of these words as substance for our heart. Lord, your word says that if we hide your word in our heart, that you will write it upon our tablets of our heart. And we won't sin against you. God, I pray today that the people of the bridge would leave sin, abandon sin, and chase you. Not that we'll be perfected on this side of eternity, but we will strive to do the right thing. And Lord, that your voice would be loud and ring true as people face situations day in and day out, living life on this place called earth. Be with us, God. Rest in our hearts and make us like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we talked about how the ungodly would not stand in judgment and how that there's judgments that's coming in the afterlife. But also there's judgment here in this temporal place and that scripture teaches us that it should begin at the house of God. Where is the house of God? Is it this building or this room that we're sitting in? Or is it right inside of here? So when we say judgment must begin at the house of God, it means it begins with me. So God's desire is to do a work inside of us internally to cleanse us from the inside out. Jews were really good at playing the game of religion all throughout history. They were really good at playing the game of religion. And the Lord gave them a law, and he told them what to do, and they tried their best to take up with the law. But yet they would mess up throughout their life, and they would go, and they would have to take sacrifices, and they would have to raise animals to go and give sacrifice in Jerusalem annually to cover their sins. And that journey was long, and it was a long year raising those animals to give up. For what? Because I messed up. Thank God we're living in a New Testament day. Amen? But the children of Israel, they had these demands that God would lay upon them that they would have the word of God in front of them at their forehead and they would take little boxes and they would write God's word and they'd place it in these boxes and they would wrap the box around their head so that God's word was always present and literally God told them to do that and they did it. And he told them to write it on flatteries and, and wrap it around their arm. And they had these certain ceremonial things that they had to do every morning. When you woke up, you had to literally put a box on your head, tie it on, 
so that God's word would be there. And also it was written on these ribbons that they would wrap around their arm. And they would pray these certain prayers. And it became ritualistic that they believed it, they prayed it, they believed it to be God's word. But once they got through their ceremonial duties, then they'd go and live their life that day. Amen? Sound familiar? What is the church doing today? We, we preach and we teach. God's word is foremost. It's first. It's, it's the everything about us. And we wake up in the morning and we pray. Amen? We try. We, we think about it. We ponder on it. We, we, we take it as substance to our heart. And then we go out. And by the time you get to work, people's cut you off. Amen? People at workplace come in grouchy. This is where the rubber meets the road. And then we have to decide, what am I going to do? I just prayed. I just read God's word. I just asked him to help me throughout the day. And then in the midst of the moment, what do we do? Do we depend on him or do we do what we want to do? This is where it's at. It's the choices we have to live by. He don't make us do anything. He will not. He will never make you do anything. Not in this earth. But there's coming a day. Amen. Where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus is king. And if we don't do it here, I assure you everybody will do it there. Including me. Amen. All of us are going to be lumped in and saying, He's the Savior. And I'm the one that needs saving, but if you don't do it here, it won't do any good there. But you're still going to bow whether you want to or not. So these judgments happen for the ungodly. That's afterlife. But judgment happens for us as Christians every day. That that judgment is there. That our decisions that we make, our words that we say, The path of life that we decide, that's on us. And we'll be judged according to, to God's word for those things, every idle word that we say. So we need to be careful about what we're doing. Not just what we believe, but what we're doing. Have you ever heard actions speak louder than words? Yeah. Amen. We can scream words. Think of actions can be louder than words. What actions are we doing that proves our total abandonment of this life for God and the afterlife? Is our actions lining up with what God has called us to do? The ungodly are not so. And it goes on and says, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And there's a story in the New Testament about going to a marriage supper. And it's a, a story of Jesus that he's telling about the afterlife and somebody coming to the marriage and they didn't have the garment on. They didn't have the right garment on. And it was found out, why, why are they here? H who told you you could come? 
And as Jesus has tried to paint this picture for the afterlife, he's saying that somebody's going to try to sneak in. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't fool God. <laughs> we all try to, don't we? But we can't fool God. He knows everything about us. And I assure you, when this verse says that there are nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, when we get over in glory, old Slewfoot the devil is not going to be able to slip in. Amen. He's not going to make it. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Do you think it's true? He knows the way of the righteous. How can he know? How can this one that's way up there and we're way down here, how could he know what it's like to be us? He sent his son, didn't he? He that knew no sin became sin so that we could have a way of salvation. God came and was tempted in every manner in which we are tempted with. And yet he did not sin, Scripture teaches. Why would he do that? Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, yet he loved us. He knows the way of righteousness. What's, what's the term righteous mean? What is, what is this righteousness? In right standing with God. So are we in right standing with God? How do we get in right standing with God? How, how, what is the way of righteousness to keep in right standing with God? So he knows these things. He directs these things. He gives clarity and truth to describe these things to us. But do we live by them? And one of the hardest things you'll probably do is not lose your temper. How, how many's ever heard, heard somebody call somebody, well, they're a hothead? Takes one to know one. <laughs> Amen. No one might slip by and act like he's quiet and humble and all that, but I'm sure there's a hothead side somebody that close by him there in family that probably knows at some point. Right? Mama's sitting in the back. Don't talk about my boy like that. That's a hothead too. Just so you know. We're all there. Our temper takes advantage of our righteousness. Cause in anger. Hey. Yep. <laughs> to stay in right standing with God. So King David, the author of this, is writing about the way of righteousness, the way of staying in right standing with God. And this was a, a person, a king of Israel, that had all the opportunity to do whatever he wanted and lead however he wanted to lead and live the life he wanted to live. And you know the story of Bathsheba? If you've read Scripture much or been to very more, 
many sermon or Sunday school classes or ser- listen to many sermons, you'll hear the story of Bathsheba where that King David had saw this woman on a roof over next door, invited her over, had relations. Next thing you know, she's pregnant, and her husband is out there on the field in the army fighting for the nation of Israel. And then David tries to cover it up. So then he says, I'm going to invite him home so that we can blame it on him. Sound familiar? We got any blamers in the room? Amen. It's easier to blame somebody else. Integrity, how we start this thing, what is that? When we take account for what we've done. We own it. It's ownership. So he calls the guy home. Uriah comes home and he says, I'm not going to even stay all night in my own house because my soldiers are out there in the field and they're fighting against the armies of the nations that's trying to turn over over our way of life, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to go in and sleep in my own bed because they're out there fighting in the field. They're sleeping in the field tonight. I won't be like them. This is called integrity, right? David didn't like it very much. He's like, I called you home so you go sleep in your bed so that I could say that that's your kid. Yeah, thoughtful, right? Your eye refused. So anger... And frustration come in this heart of this person that's writing, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And it says that he writes out this command on paper. This king does. He writes out this command, and he rolls it up, and he puts his seal on it, and he hands it to Uriah, and he says, take this to the front line, and I want you to take it back to the captain, the guard, and I want you to hand this to him. Okay, Uriah? Be a good servant now. Watch Uriah do. Grabs it and thinking. I've got a command of the king. And I'm going to take this over here and I'm going to hand it to this guy. Why? Because he told me to. He could have thrown it in a ditch along the road and lived. But on the writing that he held in his hand was his death warrant. Because David said, Pud Uriah on the very front of the front line. And it's a scary place to be when you're on the front line in the middle of war. Remember Desert Storm? Remember it happened when the first, really one of the first war, wars that was truly documented live as it was happening. In Desert Storm, they talked about the spear that was going up through, coming out of Kuwait, going up through Iraq. How would you have liked to have been on the point of the spear? I've heard stories from people that were there wasn't a fun place to be when you don't know what's going to happen. And sure, everybody vanquished and, and uh, Iraq just it evaporated in an instant as they was traveling through, thank God. There was some fighting, but it wasn't huge. But the front line's not the place you want to be. But here they're in the midst of this war. This guy has a death wish, carries it, hands it to Captain Guard. And Captain Guard looks at it and reads it, and he's probably thinking, why would the guy that just handed this to me be the one that I'm placing on the front line? But how many knows you follow the command? Whether you understand it, whether you think it's right, you do what you're told to do. So this commander puts Uriah on the front line. Guess what? In the heat of the battle the next day, guess who dies? Uriah dies. 
What's David do? I'm going to marry this girl now. I'll cover all of it up with marriage. They get married. Another one of the many wives he's already got. How many has too much already? <laughs> I have enough to deal with. And when she gives birth to the child, the child is very, very sickly and not going to make it. And King David, he does what he does. He is very religious. He knows the way of the righteous. So what does he do? He prays. He fasts. Won't eat. Praying that the child would be healed. And when the child passes away, what does he do? He just gets up, washes himself off, and goes right back to normal. They come to him and say, well, why was you fasting? Why was you going through all that if, if now you're just going to get up and eat? Just in an instant, just like that, because it didn't go your way, you're just going to eat now? Yeah, mm -hmm. give me some food. This guy that wrote this psalm was a person that understood a difference from righteous and ungodly. And I think there is a war and a battle that goes on internally in human beings, right and wrong. And I think it goes all the way back to the garden, Sister Betty, where that Adam and Eve had to decide that day, am I going to partake of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil? I think Joshua had a little bit of this in him that said, choose this day whom you will serve. And he had to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord what we're going to do good and evil now it sounds too simplistic doesn't righteousness ungodly sinner saint we could just go through the list of those one one versus the other it's pretty simple and it's so simple that it's just a choice literally our choices are what we're after and god knows your heart. Because even in saying all this stuff that King David did, the author of this psalm, Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. Doesn't sound like it, does it? Murderer, adulterer, liar, thief, hothead, there we go. Doesn't sound very righteous to me. And that's where the prophet Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. What does that mean? You can't get there on your own accord. You cannot fulfill God's law. Somebody has to substitute it. And all those animals that all the Jews and all those people, the Israelites, took to Jerusalem for decades and years and millennia and sacrificed on an altar in a big temple somewhere because God's Word told them to. It covered them and atoned them for another year. I don't want to deal with this right now. 
It's kind of like a minimum payment. You ever saw one of those on a credit card statement? <laughs> you got a big credit card statement, you went out and you bought all this stuff that you didn't need and keeping up with the Joneses that we don't even know. And next thing you know, you got a $10,000 bill, right? And you get that bill in the mail. And they're so thankful and they're so grateful that you've used their services. They say, you can just pay the minimum payment of $25. You owe $10,000, but you can just pay $25. it will be fine. Amen? Thank God for grace. That's what that is. Because in the fine print of all those credit cards, you know that they can call their note, which means you have to pay it instantaneously. <laughs> That'd be scary, wouldn't it, with 21% interest or whatever it is? It's kind of the way our sins are. They pile up. And what atonement was that the Israelites would do, they would take a pigeon over there, sacrifice the pigeon, put the blood on the altar. The high priest would come and pray a blessing over Israel, certain prayers, certain ways, religiousness. And it would atone until the next year. One prayer a year blessed Israel for a year. But they still owed the fine. It still had a cost. It had been put off for another year. They'd put a minimum payment on it, but it wasn't enough to cover the, what they owed. But then, thousands of years later, a virgin sees an angel. And is told. You will bring forth a son. And his name will be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Everybody say, God is with us. And he's the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And then atonement is made. That's where it says in Hebrews that his blood covered all sin for our sin. It was final. Thank God we don't have to bring pigeons in here and sacrifice them. Or doves. Same thing. We don't have to bring bulls and goats and rams to sacrifice for our sins. Why? Because Jesus paid the bill. So to be blessed in this life According to this author, it was down to a choice. What am I going to do with what I believe? Am I going to act on it? Am I going to do what I want to do and hope it will be okay in the end? I read a thing by A.W. Tozer. It was on the Internet that come up, and A.W. Tozer was a man that... <laughs> prayed just more than I'm talking hours and hours and hours every day, A.W. Tozer. If you've never heard of him, you ought to read some of his quotes. He's, it's been a couple about a hundred and some years ago, A.W. Tozer. But he he said that in modern day era of his time that he was perplexed about that Christians weren't willing to sacrifice not sacrifice bulls and goats or the things of the Old Testament, but they weren't willing to sacrifice their own lives. 
He said it was perplexing to him how that there were so many people that would sit in a church but wasn't living out what Jesus taught or what Jesus presented as truth, the way of righteousness. That they did what they wanted to do and prayed he'd forgive them. And if it was that bad then, how much more is it bad now? Everybody say, oh me. And A.W. Tozer told about how Jesus came and he taught people how to lay down their lives, but yet we as Christians don't do it very often. The way of righteousness is giving God precedence in our life that he has the final say. It was the same way as that captain of the guard that held that paper that read it that said, put this guy on the front line. Even though he didn't understand, he had to do it anyway. Integrity had him to do it. And if we're going to be people of integrity in our culture that we're living in today, We've got to lay down our opinions because the choice is clear, right and wrong, good and evil, righteousness and ungodly. What are we going to do? Not what I want to do. What's he telling me to do? There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. We have to be careful of the path we choose. Let's see if you play something. Play something. It would be better. It would be fitting. be very fitting. And I, I think it's very fitting that after the Gospels and Jesus was alive here on the earth that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John told the story of what Jesus did here and made a record of it and, a, and wrote it down very... Can you imagine the preciseness that they tried to recall and remember and think about? And They're thinking, man, Jesus, I got to see him, but there's going to be people come after me that might not see him, so I'm going to write it down and make it plain. And I don't think it's an accident that the first book following Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what's the name of the next book? Acts. What if it would have been Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John words? It's not. Dusty, it's action. Because we can say whatever we want. We can say whatever we want, but our actions matter. And I'm sure, Dusty, that you have had people to tell you in your employment at your workplace, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. This time's different. And in an instant, a decision they make once they leave your council, their actions didn't line up with their words. And destruction just continues on our lives. Why? Because we're saying something that we're not doing. Blessed is the man 
or woman. Blessed and highly favored are the people that act on what they know. We don't need more information. We need more application. We need more apartments to be attended to by the people of the church that we don't just drive by and say, Oh, Lord, please bless them. And he's saying, I'm sending you to be a blessing. Even though the little kid will come out and look at Dustin and say, You're getting on my nerves. <laughs> That's action. If one thing we can say about the church in America today is we're not very active. We have a lot of words, we have a lot of opinions, we have a lot of what we ought to do, but our actions are not enough. And I'm saying this to a church, you guys, I led this out to say, we're servants here at the bridge. I think we do well. But I think he requires more than we're currently doing. And I, I'm, I'm just asking you, pray about that. Consider that. I believe that God wants to transform our community. But is my actions proof of that? Who have you blessed lately? Hopefully it's more than you've cursed lately. Amen? It's easy to be negative in a negative world, but God called us to be positive people. Go speak blessings and not cursing. That's action. And that's, that's harder than we think. Amen. With social media running rampant, and we've got so many avenues to tell everything that's wrong with everybody else. When God's telling us, be a blessing to our culture, to our society, to humanity. I'm going to read one verse, and this is what I want to end this with. Blessing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts. Man, they were people of action. Think about the regions all the way around Israel that had never heard or saw or faced Jesus face to face. And imagine this. A guy that was killing Christians. Literally killing Christians is who God used to go to the neighboring nations to bring the gospel. The least likely. The least among us. And here the apostle Paul goes out and he starts doing these actions that I'm talking about in the book of Acts. And he ends up going to Rome, the empire of the world of that day. God has a way of humbling people that thinks too much of their self. And we need to think about this because in our culture today, as Americans, we're, we are Rome. We have it all. The wealth is tied up here. The influence is tied up here. We're the envy of the world, the, the apple of God's eye that we call ourselves, and we're the city set up on the hill. But our, is what we're presenting to the world, according to God's word, according to how much we have. But Paul goes, and I want, you to, I want you to think about this word. That I'm going to leave us with this. As he goes to Rome, and this is his own death wish, and he knows that if I can get to Rome, 
I'm going to start a church there, and somehow that's where I'm going to, it's going to be the end of it. Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians, Paul writes all these letters to all these churches. Why? Telling them, I'm probably not coming back. But I want you to listen to these words. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Does it sound reasonable to give up your life? Did it sound reasonable for Jesus to hang on a cross? It doesn't sound reasonable. But God's ways are higher than our ways. Because the second you begin to give, I promise you, blessings will come running. I'm not talking financial. I'm talking about blessings of desires of your heart that God will give to you when you sacrifice your own life and our own will. I beseech you. That's urging us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Blessed and highly favored. Everybody say that with me. Blessed and highly favored. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them that like you believe that it's coming. You're blessed and highly favored. Now speak it over there and say, I speak blessings over you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe it. Because right now I could cuss out people in this room if I wanted to. But I'm going to choose to bless. Amen. Life or death is set before us. Choose life. It's pretty simple. Choose holiness. Choose righteousness. Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives a living sacrifice. He didn't say a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Actions are going to continue to happen when the church does what he asked them to do. How many wants blessings over the bridge? Amen. The resources we need. The people that we need setting these pews. There's people you know that needs to be here today. They're not coming unless you ask them. It's on us. Blessed and highly favored. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. <laughs> Won't you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that establishes us and our goings. Your word says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, I pray that these words will be grafted on the hearts of the believers that hear. And God, that you would etch them there where they will not be taken away. And God, I thank you so much that you are changing our lives from the inside out. 
that it's not an external game that we're playing to become religious but or righteous, but it's something that it, you're doing internally in us and you're changing us from the inside out. That you'll equip us to do the work of the ministry. God, I pray people in this place today would lay down their lives as a living sacrifice. And God, you will change their minds. That you will change our hearts. That you would make us like you. And God, we would be a blessing like Lewis County has never seen. That we would be a blessing even to those that are far from you that are yet sinners. God, that we wouldn't be judgmental or scornful. But God, we would let grace abound in this land of sin. God, help us to be your people. Let us be like the author of these words, a man or a woman after your own heart, that we would desire to do the things that you ask us to do. Not just speak words, but have actions to back it up. God, for those that face fear in this room on a day-in and day-out basis, a fear, they have faith to move mountains, but they have fear that lays up barricades that stops them from acting. God, I pray that those fears would be dismantled in this instant. According to your word, let them act in faith. That they would no longer say, I can't, and begin to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God, help us all to decide between good and evil in this place today. That we would make the decision to apply the blood of Jesus over our hearts. That we wouldn't depend on what we can bring to the table. That we would humbly bow and say, Jesus, save me. I'm yet a sinner. Help the bridge to be the blessing you desire to be. Amen.